Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war I was introduced to a, a whistleblower who has been trying to get her story out for quite some time. And I wanted to highlight her story on today's episode. Joining me today is um, a very courageous woman by the name of Renee Rapley, who worked in the MRI department where a couple of adverse events and potential deaths, um, uh, well, a death did occur, and they were able to revive the gentleman. Um, and we're going to get into why and all of that. Uh, but we do have a timeline that we are going to follow so that you guys can follow exactly what Renee has witnessed. So thank you, Renee, for being courageous and speaking out. Uh, many of our listeners follow me because I am known as the HHS vaccine nurse whistleblower with the federal government. And so I applaud your courage and your attempt at exposing um, patient safety issues because as healthcare providers, we know that is our number one goal is to, you know, make sure that people who are admitted or come into the hospital have a safe environment. And your department in the MRI is actually a very critical one. And we'll get more into your story. But Renee, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners Tell them who you are, a little bit of your background, and what you exposed. Hi, yes. Thank you so much for having me, Jody. Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Renee Rapley. Um, I live right outside of Detroit, Michigan. I am a registered radiologic technologist. I started X-ray school in 2001. I took my national board certification in 2003 and passed. Um, and I am on the show today because we had two patients almost die within three weeks of each other. I blew the whistle. Three weeks later, I was fired for allegedly harassing coworkers, which absolutely was not true. Yeah. So uh, thank you. I mean, this has been going on for months now, right? It's been about uh, this started in, in April, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's. It yeah, almost April, May 1st, the night of May 1st is when the first adverse event happened. And I was fired in the middle of June, and I have been trying for months for somebody to pick up my story and listen to me. Well, yes. Um, yeah, it's not easy, is it? Uh, so many people, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, they just don't even want to touch it. So uh, tell our listeners, what exactly is an MRI technologist? 
So what an MRI technologist does is that we screen the patients when they come in to make sure that they're safe to get an MRI. We ask for things like, do you have a pacemaker? Do you have an internal stimulator? Things like that. Um, we also actually run the scan. So when you go into that long tube and you hear that knocking, I am the one creating that knocking. I am assisting the radiologist in your diagnosis to make sure that you're being taken care of properly. So you sit next to the MRI technician? I am the MRI technician. So I, I am the one that, yes, I am the one that goes in the back, runs the computer, assists the, the radiologist um, in any questions that they might have, assist the patients. Of course, the patients always come first. But what I do and what MRI technologists do is that we are your last line of safety. We are the ones that if you have something that you are not supposed to have when you go into an MRI, we find it, we catch it. Um, and and, and it, it's just very, very unfortunate that, um, you know, hospitals don't, don't value last line of defense workers like MRI technologists. Well, exactly. And when we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what the standard procedure and protocol is for a patient to come into the room. Um, Usually, well, uh, anytime we had a critical patient, we would always go down, like the nurse would go down with the patient to get the MRI. Right. Um, prior to going down to the MRI and the, you know, couple hospitals that I had worked at, you have got to fill out all of that, the documentation, the questionnaire, which includes a patient history, any implanted devices. Um, and, and even prior to that, the nurse has to go into the room with the patient and ask the series of questions. Do you have a defibrillator? Do you have any metal in your body? Um, Those types of things. And then it would go to the MRI department because they would not even schedule the MRI until that paperwork was done. And then, right. Yes. Right. And then, so that paperwork Mm -hmm. is done. The MRI technologist would call the nurse and say, yes, you could bring the patient down for the MRI. And then we go through that questionnaire again. (laughs) Right? Yes, yes, it's, it is. It's a long, arduous process, but we do it for a reason. We do it to keep patients alive and safe. Um, Tell me what your what your education is. Like how long? uh, So I have yeah, it's uh, two years full-time. Uh, I went to Henry Ford Community College here in Dearborn. Um, lots of hands-on clinical training and then um, going to the college for the actual uh, education on how to pass your board exam. So it's a mixture of both. I would say a, a good portion of how I learned to be an x-ray and an MRI technologist was through uh, on-site clinical training. Yes, because it's a lot of on you know uh, hands-on work as well as reading the MR the MRI. You know, as as you're performing right. the scan, you are you know really taking the whole patient into an, an account as you're looking at what right. you're looking at. Yeah, it's very in depth. 
I mean, there's things that, you know, we could see on the MRI as it's actually being performed that we, we can flag to the radiologist. We can say, hey, I see, I see something going on in the patient's left eardrum. Do you want me to give contrast? They'll say yes or no. So we do assist with the radiology. We don't diagnose, obviously, but we assist them. And we can catch things that, that can stop the patient from having to come back for a second scan. Yes. So huge, guys. I want you to understand how important the MRI technologist and uh, what a coveted position it is. I mean, you have radiologists that really have their favorites, kind of like, you know, doctors have their favorite nurses to work with. You you have Mm -hmm. the same type of relationship from the radiologist to the MRI tech. And, you know, it's kind of like a nurse. We can't diagnose, but we pretty much know what's going on. Right. Correct. Yes. Okay. So on April or on May 1st, um, I think I'll, let me just start this off a little bit. Um, You know, on May 1st, you had a vented patient come down for an MRI scan. So a vented patient means an ICU critical patient um, that came down with the nurse and he was in his 70s or 80s. He came in with his regular floor nurse. So um, talk to me about that. Why he was on propofol. So what's a regular floor nurse doing with a patient that has propofol running? That was the standard procedure at my hospital. Uh, They would come down with, if it was a vented patient, they would come down with their regular nurse. Now, we had other nurses that that were called stat nurses. They were the highest, most accredited nurses in the hospital. We always called them because when they were on a pump or a drip that they could not come off of, we would call them to switch them over to the MRI safe equipment because not not all equipment, as you know, can go into an MRI room. Right. That was the standard protocol. Um, so the stat nurse, the stat nurses came down. They switched over the pump, and we were just about to turn the corner to go to the into the MRI room. My coworker at the time, who was literally six feet tall, she happened to look over her shoulder and said to the regular, the regular nurse, because the stat nurse was gone at that time, "Why is that bottle empty?" And the nurse turned ghost white. A code was called yeah, and they worked on this. That. Yeah. Let's talk okay. about that real quick. So propofol is a drug that should only be administered with an ICU trained nurse. This is a critical drug. Um, yes, it has a short half-life, meaning that the body metabolizes it very quickly. Um, but still uh, for me, to think like a regular floor nurse. Are, are you not talking a, a ICU nurse? No, it was an ICU nurse, but many of the ICU nurses and the medical ICU nurses are not trained on how to switch over to the MRI safe equipment. So the stat nurses were the ones who were called uh, to do that. And that's what happened. Um, okay, but so this pump, patient- Yeah. Yeah. And so the patient got a lethal dose of propofol. Propofol is, is ran, 
you know, very slowly. So this is kind of like a bolus dose that this patient got. Yes. Uh, I, my coworker overheard that he got a hundred milligrams of propofol and to put it in context, they said that four to five milligrams put somebody to sleep for anesthesia. And this is what killed Michael Jackson, mind you. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and a code was called. Okay. So basically everybody, all hands on deck. A doctor was down there. Nurses were down there. The stat nurses came down. The crash cart was pulled out. They worked on this man for 45 minutes. I believe they were able to bring him back. They stabilized him and brought him up to the ICU. 15 minutes later, somebody from hospital administration called and says, where is that pump? Don't touch it. I'm on my way down. They never came. Never came. They never came. No. And we plugged the pump in to make sure that, like, all of the settings and recordings stayed, you know, so the battery didn't die. We put all kinds of notes on it, said, do not touch this pump, do not use this pump. Nobody ever came. My coworker did all the reports. She emailed my bosses. I wanted to call my boss, but it was in the middle of the night on Sunday. And my boss came in the next day. We told, you know, we told him what happened. We told out the text what happened. The other technologists, they were absolutely horrified. My boss told me, well, it was great that you guys caught it, but uh, really that's up to the nurses. That's their responsibility, not yours. I was horrified. My coworker was horrified. It is all our responsibility to take care of the patients. And if my coworker had not noticed that that bottle would have been empty, we would have put that man in the MRI room and he would have died. A hundred percent. He would have died well, from a propofol now, overdose. Well, and here's another thing. Every single critical patient that is vented, they should be on a monitor when they go in to the MRI. Uh, obviously yeah. a, a monitor that's, that's, uh, recording their respiratory. I, I can't tell you how many hours I have sat down in MRI yes. with my patient while they were in there and I'm watching the monitor. I'm watching the rate, the rhythm, the blood pressure, you know, all of that was, yes. was that happening? Was there a monitor on yes. this patient? Okay, good. There, yes, there was a monitor on the patient, but let me tell you this. So a lot of times that monitor did not work properly. As soon as we closed that door, the MRI door, for some reason it it messed up the monitors. We always had that we always had that problem happen because we had a portable monitor that the nurses could use. And a lot of times the portable monitor did not work. So the nurses would have to try to squint to see the monitor that was in the room to see the heart rate, the blood pressure, the rhythm, all of that stuff. So even if the patient had gone in, there's no guarantee that that monitor would have worked properly because we always had problems with that monitor. And that was another thing that I complained about. Yeah. Yeah. So the equipment. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let, let's move on to what else you exposed then. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Do you, re you have your timeline so we can stay on track? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I um so fast forward to three weeks later. Um they 
They had me scheduled with another MRI tech. Um, the month of May, they did not have me scheduled with MRI techs. They had me scheduled with a front desk person, not remotely qualified in patient, in patient care or MRI, and an interventional radiology tech, a qualified technologist, but again, not experienced in MRI. So Memorial Day, I was working midnights, my regular shift, with an MRI technologist, very seasoned, very competent. However, we had a patient come down in a wheelchair. She said, I can't walk. I need, I need a walker. We had one piece of equipment in that department that was not MRI safe. It was the MRI walker. My coworker had accidentally brought it into the room. I was behind her. I didn't know she had it. It got pinned to the magnet. I was in there, she was in there, the patient was in there. All of us could have been pinned and crushed to death. Yeah. I called down, I called down, she, you know, she was very upset, very distraught, very afraid she's gonna lose her job. I said, take the patient, go to the other magnet, I will work on this. I had to call down to the emergency room to talk to the charge nurse. I said, can you bring me up six to eight strong men? She's like, what? I said, I need six to eight strong men to pull a walker off of an MRI magnet. So about seven guys came. I screened them. I made sure, you know, they had everything out of their pockets. It took seven men to pull this walker off of the MRI magnet. That's how strong this magnet is. The magnet that I was on was a three Tesla that is 30,000 times stronger than the Earth's magnetic surface. I said, I told them, I said, hold on to that with your life, and I'm not kidding you. I said, if you let that go, it will pin you and crush you to death. They were amazed and astonished at how strong it was. Yeah. So my coworker, yeah, the co- yeah, the coworker that I was working with, she emailed my boss. She was, she's like, please don't tell anybody about this. Please don't tell anybody about this. She was afraid to lose her job. <laughs> My boss not only did not sanction her, but apologized to her for not having an MRI safe walker. Yet I was fired for raising health and safety standard concerns when I wasn't even the one who pinned the walker to the magnet. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Like, you would assume that the walker and the wheelchair and the IV, you know, monitor and the vital sign monitor, all of this is MRI safe equipment because it absolutely should not be down there anywhere near that magnet if it, if it wasn't. So I, I, I do understand apologizing for it, but there is something in healthcare where, if you see something, you say something, right? Correct. Yes. And we are all trained that reporting even near misses or adverse events or, you know, obviously we have to report sentinel events where there's a patient that dies, but anything, anything, you know, even if it was with med administration, um, no matter what, we are told that we that the, it is not punitive, but they always use it in healthcare as a learning opportunity. And because we're constantly learning and we're humans and we make mistakes and obviously even computers make mistakes, right? Um, right. So reporting is a huge thing. 
I mean, anybody that even said, please don't say something is like, you know, like, I mean, she was very seasoned and very competent. She actually should have known better not to say, don't say something. You know? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, yes, if we are human, we make mistakes. But the fact that we had two almost two almost adverse patient uh, interactions where patients could have been killed or basically did die and were brought back to life within three weeks of each other just shows the lack of safety protocols. The hospital greed because MRI makes the most money out of all the imaging modalities and the lack of care and concern for your workers. Right. You are literally putting the community in danger. Yeah. And nobody is doing anything. And not only does this happen in Michigan, it happened in California. It happens in India. I mean, it happens all over the world all the time. And people, the media dubs it as freak accidents. These are not freak accidents if they are happening all the time. Something needs to change. There needs to be reform. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can see this, like, especially at this hospital, if, you know, there protocols that are in place, we love to use protocols, right? Like, in yes, healthcare, yes. everything is protocols. <laughs> but yet, when you have a department, and you have a machine, uh, you know, let's let's talk a, a little bit about that machine, because every single year, as even when I worked in food trays, okay, delivering food trays, we had health stream modules that we had to, you know, complete so that we were um, up to date on all of our competencies. And even as a food worker, we knew like, hey, be careful of that MRI, <laughs> you know, there's signs yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I have had to chase out transporters who accidentally walked into the room before. Uh, there are health streams that were done at my hospital as well. People don't take them seriously. They scroll through them. They don't, they don't watch the videos, which is very concerning. Um, and, you know, it, it is a very, very real danger. And it, the fact that, you know, these two adverse events happened, there was no committee that, that convened in regards to the pump. Nobody from hospital administration came down in regards to the pump. And I think they had the person, an engineer, look at it. Now, that should have been in a committee with hospital administration. What, what went wrong? Because they tried to blame the stat nurse, saying that she she programmed it incorrectly. And I knew that stat nurse. That stat nurse was very competent. She said, that wasn't my fault. She said, that pump misfired. And I said, did the man live? She said, yeah. She said, he did live. She said, but she said, that pump misfired. There was no way that I, because she did it all the time. Well, and, and as ICU nurses, like we, we are trained, I think one of the best advice that I ever got in it, and it just sticks in my head is when I was learning this discipline, um, I, I asked the nurse, I said, if there's one thing that you could tell me, uh, as a, like a gem that I should take with me, what would it be? And she said, get used to doing the same 
that get used to doing things the same way every time. And I said, what do you mean by that exactly? And she said, no matter what, whether it be how you put in an IV or how you give medication, um, no matter what it is, no matter what the skill or the task is, do it the same way every time and do not take shortcuts uh, and then it becomes uh, like a muscle memory where, you know, right. when you find yourself in an emergent critical situation where all hell's breaking loose, you know that you draw up that medication the same way every time. Right, exactly. And, you know, we had discussed this before, but before I was even at this hospital, there was two, there was two events. A technologist actually got somebody's artificial leg stuck to the magnet. She was able to keep her job. She's still there. And another technologist got a waste paper can stuck to the magnet. Now, why does this keep happening? Why, why are things keep getting stuck to the magnet, especially when there is a patient, the most precious, precious life, our patients that rely on us to keep them safe. Why are we putting them in danger? It keeps happening. This needs to stop. And I was basically told to professionally shut up. That's that's uh, let me ask you a question going back to uh, the walker getting stuck on the magnet. Um, why didn't you shut off the MRI machine? Um, yeah, a lot yeah. of people ask that question. Yeah, so there is, there's not a way to shut off the MRI. The magnet is always on. They have a button called a quench button. And that's basically if you had gone in or the patient had gotten pinned by the walker, like is in mortal danger about to die. That is a last resort. They don't want you to use that unless somebody is pinned to the magnet and that it costs millions of dollars to ramp down the magnet. And I saw that happen at another hospital that I worked for, uh, a different hospital here in Metro Detroit. There was two incidences that happened there. So I have seen this four times in my career and I have not been in my career that long, relatively speaking. Right. Yeah, that's that's a lot on top of what you had heard about what, you know, had just happened at that hospital, you know, uh, not very long prior. So that, no, that's a yeah, big deal. Exactly. So so here's the thing. And, and yeah, let's let's talk about the finances a little bit, because it caught, would cost a million dollars or more to to restart the MRI magnet. And the only reason mm-hmm. like that you are to shut it down and power it down is if there's like life um, in Im- imminent danger. That's yes, crazy. Ma'am. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. So, so you, so yeah, it would be more of a protocol to get six to eight strong men to go into this MRI machine while it's still, while it's still going to pull the walker off the magnet versus um, shutting it down. Correct, and uh, and and putting them in danger in the process. Right. Because, because if they were not strong enough or one of them slipped, I mean, they were up on the table, standing on the table, using all their might. If one of them had slipped, they could have been in mortal danger. 
but they do not want us to hit that that quench button unless somebody is pinned to the magnet because it costs millions of dollars to ramp it down. And then you're, they're, they're out of service for, what, a week. And that's a lot of money lost. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that about that. Wow. Okay, well, we will continue this conversation, guys. Um, on the second half of this break, I, you know, I'm just, I don't know. It's just been wonderful and refreshing to have somebody that's really trying to get the word out about patient safety issues. And, you know, for as long as you have, um, yes, guys, check out our America out loud dot shop. We have amazing products from our family of sponsors with discounts that are only available to the listeners of America Out Loud Network. One of my favorite products, you know, is ASEA. And I talk about the redox gel very often. I have just noticed it, at, you know, helping. I had pimples of all things. I, I don't get pimples, but on my travels, through Europe for the last few weeks, I started getting pimples and I put ASEA on and it cleared them right up. I use ASEA for almost everything. All right, guys, we will be right back while we are hearing from our MRI, MRI whistleblower. We'll be right back. It's time and this is world. Hey everyone, Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminished, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the SEA Redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Changing the world one person at a time. 
here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. St. Joe's Hospital in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Thank you, Renee. All right. We left off on talking about the magnet. Um, let's let's fast forward uh, to June uh, on the timeline. Okay. Uh, so in June, I caught COVID. I was deathly ill. I called in um, by email because something was wrong with my phone. I get an email back from my director saying, we're putting you on admin leave. There's been HR complaints about you. Uh, you're not to report to work this weekend. And I asked him what it was about. He wouldn't tell me what it was about. And I had to go in, even though I had COVID, I had to go in on the 12th, I believe it was, for an in-person kangaroo court investigation meeting. Okay, so by June of this year, now we're like, ah, don't worry about it. You can come in sick, but we need you here. Yeah. Like, this is yeah, this is yeah. the, the, a hospital system, guys. Like, she, you know, I, I know she's not even exaggerating because I have seen this kind of behavior from leadership happen so many times um, that they don't they don't care. Uh, they don't care. They're just come in. We need to talk to you. Okay, so they yeah, put you yeah. on admin leave, and um, yeah, you recorded the conversation. Yes, I did. I reported or I recorded the conversation. Michigan is a one-party state. Uh, I have it from beginning to end. It's about an hour. Uh, we talked about uh, the one thing that they did touch me on, and I will fully admit to, is that I have a nicotine addiction. I was vaping at work. Um, nobody that I worked with ever had a problem with it. Nobody ever complained. They wrote me up for that. They wrote me up for time and attendance, which I complained about because that was not correct. I had just gotten a six-month review, and it was glowing. The one thing that they said was that I had a couple of lates, and I knew that wasn't correct. So what they wrote me up for in this time and attendance, that wasn't correct. Then they said that I've been accused of harassing two female coworkers. Or they, no, they didn't say female coworkers. They said two coworkers. I adamantly denied that. Their evidence shows there was no harassment. These women actively engaged with me before, during, and after I was put on admin leave for allegedly harassing them. So they tell me, you know, that we're keeping, yeah, they tell me we're keeping you on unpaid admin, excuse me, unpaid admin leave while we do a pending investigation. They call me, they call me on June 19th and tell me I'm fired. I appealed my, I appealed my termination twice. Um, once was from a hospital bed in ICU. I recorded that conversation as well. They basically spoke to me like I was five years old and I stood strong. You were in the ICU and you had to have a meeting with them? Yeah. Yeah. 
they're like, well, can you, do you want to reschedule? And I said, no, I said, I want to do this because I was so angry that I was fired. I was so angry that it had gotten to this point. I was so fed up with the fact that, uh, you know, lack safety protocols, lack safety worker protocols. And now you're telling me I'm fired for allegedly harassing two coworkers, which absolutely was not true. Now was this so I did I did the yeah so you were sick go ahead. Were you in the hospital with COVID no I was uh, it was an unrelated chiropractic injury um, okay. but I was in the ICU from it and I told them I was in the ICU but we went ahead we did it anyways I recorded it from my hospital bed and it's just abhorrent to listen to they talk to me like I'm five years old. They ask me if I know what the definition of harassment is. The people I worked with loved me. They gave me hugs all the time. We called each other boo-boos. Like everybody that I worked with, like loved me. I never had a problem. Patients loved me. I always entertained them. I always made them smile, made them laugh. I got a glowing six-month review. But I didn't realize until August what they actually fired me for. And it's because I wouldn't shut up about, about safety protocol. How did you find out about that? Well, I, I just put the pieces together. So they fired me in June, June, on June 19th. And in August, I had an aha moment one day. And I was like, oh my gosh, they didn't fire me for allegedly harassing coworkers because I showed them all the evidence. The evidence proves there was no harassment and these women were engaging with me. They fired me to shut me up and I'm a whistleblower. And that was in August, and I have been trying ever since to get media attention. I have called my governor. She has not helped. I've called my attorney general. She has not helped. I have called Bernie Sanders. The White House, I have called and tweeted and TikToked and emailed. And I, I, I just, I'm at the end of my rope, or I was at the end of my rope until I met you and James. Yeah. Yeah. I... This, I I, so what 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 have you done? Where are you, where are you at right now? Where am I at right now? Right now, yeah. I am absolutely destitute. I am absolutely destitute. I had to cash out the small, meager savings that I had in my four hundred one k to stay afloat. I have severe PTSD from this, severe trauma from this. I wake up screaming. I have nightmares of being pinned to the magnet. Um, I, I, I'm not well, and, but I will not give up because this is so important. And people in not only my community, but your community and people all over the world, everybody is going to be a patient at some point in their lives, right? And yeah. they need to know that hospital systems <laughs> don't care about them. They do not care about them. The workers, the nurses, the technologists, the transporters, those are the people that care about you. The hospital systems want your money. Yeah, yeah. And if they are not employing or or even the, the medicals or the staff, you know, are not in this for the right reasons, you know, um, yeah. and feel like really a calling to to this environment because it is a completely different environment and we have got to really put aside what we have going on, like our emotions and behave in an ethical, compassionate 
you know, patient centered way. And right. Yeah. I mean, when I started x-ray school, the one thing that they always taught us is that treat your patients like you would treat your family. Now, granted, some people don't like their family, but I always think, you know, that could have been my father. My father has ALZ right now. He has to have MRIs. That could have been my dad. And I'll be darned if you are going to put somebody that is vulnerable and needs help and comes to the hospital for help in mortal danger. People should not be punished because they get sick or injured. And this happens all the time. You know, there was a man, I sent you the picture, there was a man in India pinned to the magnet. It suffered an agonizing death. There was a nurse in California at Kaiser Permanente who almost got crushed by a a non-MRI safe hospital bed. Why is this happening? Why is this continuing to happen? Right. What kind of protocols and, and stuff need to be in place? And as far as your job losing it, did you file complaint with with um, the Attorney General, EEOC, JACO, any of those? Yes, I have. Oh, yes. I have filed with every health and government agency in the entire country. The EEOC is investigating right now. St. Joe's outed me as bisexual because this was not confidential. I'm not ashamed of it, but it's not their business. Um, so the EEOC is investigating the Joint Commission uh, that accreditates the hospitals. As you know, they went in, they sanctioned them. I spoke with somebody I used to work with about a month ago, um, the American College of Radiology. I filed with them. They're the ones that do the accreditation of the actual MRI machine. I have filed with the DOJ, the NLRB, DHS, um, the Office of Attorney General down in D.C. I, I filed complaints with everybody. Because I I'm not going to let this go. And you're and you're not afraid. Tell 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 me where this courage is coming from. I mean, I have uh, I was raised with a very good moral sense of right and wrong, and what they did to me was wrong. What they did to me was put me in destitution. They want to keep me silent. They want me to die on the streets, starving to death. And pretty much they've been successful. But I will not give up. Patients deserve better. Workers deserve better. Where is our government? Where Where is the oversight committees? Why has Bernie Sanders not called me back? Why has my governor, Gretchen Whitmer, not called me back? She emailed me this week and sent me to Laura. Who's Laura? Has she called? Has she come out? Uh, it's the licensed licensed regulatory agency. I can't remember what exactly oh, it's it stands for. It's for license. Yeah, it's an acronym. Yeah, um, but you know, where are you? Where are you, Gretchen Whitmer? Why aren't you coming out? This is people in your own backyard in your state, and I cannot get help. The news media ignores me. I've emailed. I've called. When that nurse in California almost got crushed by the bed, I called that nurse, that news station in San Francisco, and I told them who I was, what I was trying to do. They took my name and number. We'll give it to the producers. That was it. Never heard back from them. So I am so thankful to you and your listeners for taking the time to hear my story. Yes. uh, Thank you for, you know, to speaking out and being relentless in your pursuit of wanting to get some eyes and ears on this. 
what would you recommend to the people listening that they should do if, you know, that they, uh, we, we like to give solutions here. Um, let, let's, let's talk to the listeners. Like what can they do having to go into an MRI to, you know, um, Beast. Yeah, I actually I did a I did a video about this and this is this is the fine line, right? I don't want to scare people into thinking, oh my god, if I have an MRI, I'm going to die. MRI is a critical diagnostic tool that assists radiologists in diagnosing things like strokes quickly, diagnosing breast cancer, diagnosing prostate cancer. But the, the flip side of that, of course, is that MRI can kill. There have been documented fourth degree burns. There have been pin, pin incidences. There have been uh, missile effects where, uh, in fact, in 2001, a little boy in New York was crushed to death. His skull was crushed by an oxygen tank that was not safe. So what I would tell your listeners is, <laughs> excuse me, be an advocate for yourself. If you are not comfortable or you have questions, make them answer your questions before you get into the magnet. Do not rely on your doctor to make sure that you're safe. Be your own advocate. Ask questions. What are your credentials? How long have you been doing this? What's the difference between ferrous and non-ferrous? And if an MRI technologist cannot tell you what the difference between ferrous and non-ferrous metal is, that is a huge red flag because ferrous metal cannot go in the magnet. That's like things like steel. So if like a worker came in with steel toe boots and the, the technologist didn't know and they didn't tell them, they can get stuck to the magnet. But like I always told my mom, my mom passed last year and I always told her, you have to be your own advocate. You have to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. This is your life at stake. And it really is. It's your life. Yeah. You, when you go into the hospital, you are vulnerable. People you don't know are taking care of you. Do they know what they're doing? Does the hospital have good safety protocols? Do they have good protocols for workers? Ask those questions. Yeah, that that's very good. That's very important. What? Th thank you for that. I think that'll help a lot of people. Uh, you know, really, truly, guys, like you have to. It. it yeah, I mean going into the hospital and needing an MRI, you're already in a vulnerable position because obviously you are trying to find an answer to something that is ailing you. But to be really right. like on, on we, we have to realize hospitals are not a safe environment, like how we really thought that they were even prior to 2020. Have you have you noticed a change in this level of care and standards people are receiving with, you know, because of COVID since COVID, I should say? Well, I will tell you, I I took some time off. I took about 10 years off and I worked in uh, political organizing. So I wasn't in uh, medical at the time that COVID hit. But I can tell you, when I got back into medical last year, a lot of people are burned out. A lot of people are tired. A lot of people are very, I wouldn't say lax about their jobs, but they're, but they are, they just have a sense of, a burnout and maybe even some resentment because you know 
people people worked through this. People died through this. People, um, you know, healthcare workers. It, that's the thing that just really ticks me off is that everybody got behind all these all the healthcare workers, right? Everybody applauded them. Now we've been left in the dust. We have been left in the dust. Mm-hmm. I can't even get a, a registered MRI technologist to work with me. They put me with a front desk person to take care of patients in my community. That's what they did. That's the level of caring that they have for medical and hospital workers. So are you Where saying were we, prior, when, prior to COVID, did you always have another uh, technologist with you in the MRI? When I worked in hospitals, yes. 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 When I worked in imaging centers, no. Um, but in hospitals, absolutely. Because the hospitals, I mean, we were, you, you know, you're a nurse. We work with critical patients. Right. Right. I see you patients. Mm-hmm. And this hospital, I, I mean, I was absolutely appalled. I could not believe they put me with a front desk person. And basically, you know, what they told me is if something happens, just call, just call a code. Well, oh, I mean, okay. it's, it's we were in a very, of, I, I would say like, you know, being on the floor that, you know, say a nurse typically would have had uh, three patients, right? And now they're wanting them to take six patients and giving you a CNA and saying, or even worse than it, not worse Good than luck. the CNA, yeah. uh, giving you the health unit coordinator, the secretary, and say, yes. she'll help you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a CNA would yeah. be more competent, yeah. but... They're wanting them to yeah. do more work with less resources. Um, yes, I, and I, I absolutely can. Yeah, I can absolutely say that it's true because I have nurse friends. One actually works at this hospital and says it says basically the same thing. I don't want to bring her name up because she doesn't want to get involved. But I have nurse friends that have said the exact same thing that you just said. Work harder, work, get more patients, and here's less resources. Good luck. Yeah, but and they're blaming safety. it on, yeah, at the at the expense of patient safety and at the expense of worker safety. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely appalling. And my boss told me, you know, when I complained that I was with a front desk person that that wasn't safe. Well, you know, we're really strapped and we're doing the best. I'm doing the best that I can. When all he had to do was mandate an MRI technologist and make them come in. Didn't do that wouldn't do that. And here's another thing about the MRI technologist. I know several nurses that left bedside and said that they were, you know, going to get their MRI and, uh, MRI and um, you know, possibly even ultrasound tech and be able to do that because they were just done, you know, with the high, st- this way you only get one patient at a time, right? As a nurse, you can yeah. have a bunch of patients, but they thought that that was a, a better option. And I thought, well, you know, MRI, you only have a few, even at a large hospital system, because you only need one. So the fact that you guys are short staffed, uh, it is kind of a little, you know, it makes me think, like, why you should have MRI techs really out the wazoo, um, you know, that yeah. would be willing to pick up or do PRN 
Uh, did they have that there at this hospital? They now I will say a lot of people did a lot of overtime. And I mean, one girl told me she had made $40,000 last year in overtime alone. Yeah. But that's contributing to her burnout. You know, how good are you if you are not taking care of yourself? How good are you going to be to your patients in the community? Right. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is, but I know. The answer is not, oh, put this put this uh, front desk worker on a midnight shift in a secluded part of the hospital on the weekends when absolutely nobody is around That's to right. help Renee. Resources are extremely I'm, limited on the weekends, especially night and weekends. It's it's probably yes. your, the, your most unsafest time to be in in the hospital. Yes. And I, and I said that I worked every Friday, Saturday, Sunday night on the weekends in a very secluded part of the hospital. I mean, even when the nurses like you would come down and bring patients, they would get lost because we were in such a secluded part of the hospital. They would finally get there and say, oh, my gosh, you know, I've never even been here. I didn't even know this existed. OK, great. So what if there's a coat? You know what I mean? What if right. what if there's a code? What if there's a pin? What if somebody had come in and tried to assault me? There was absolutely no protection for us. Yeah. Oh, wow. It just, it really just attests to the state that healthcare is in and, and, you know, obviously doing your absolute best to, to live a healthy, physical, active, emotionally, you know, spiritually well-balanced lifestyle. So you never have to go to the hospital, but you know, uh, uh, chances are we'll have to go to the hospital, whether it's for right. ourselves or somebody that we love and and to know that it's just such uh, an issue with patient safety now is it, it, it sucks. It really does. It does. It does. And the fact that you know, it, that's just the most frustrating part. I mean, you're a whistleblower. You know, I don't know how long it took you, but it, it's taken me from August till now, what are we, December 2nd, to get somebody from the media to pay attention and listen to me. I tweet, I email, I call every single day. The Detroit news media and the newspapers here, they will not call me back. How is this not a story? How is people in the community being put in danger by St. Joe's Hospital every single day? Not a story, Jody. Yeah, right. Right. Well, probably because big pharma is paying off the exec there. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just such yeah. a, it's just such a interwoven web of people wanting money and power and prestige and a paycheck. You know, that it just right. has taken precedence over patients. You know, I, I, I'd be yeah. remiss not to ask you political wise. Uh, you said that you had done some political work for 10 years. Uh, do you mind elaborating yeah. on that at all? Well, I mean, I am I am a leftist. I'm, I'm not I'm not ashamed of it. Um, but the, what my stance on this is, is that this is not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. This is a human rights issue. The right to go to a hospital, be sick and be taken care of properly and not be put in mortal danger. That is the issue. 
Yes. You know what? I was actually hoping, <laughs> I was actually hoping you were going to say that you are, uh, you know, that you lean left because I think that just attested <laughs> the power of our show and the nurses out loud. Listen, guys, this does not, it does not matter a left or right issue. And, 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 how I know that is because I had no idea what Renee's uh, affiliations no. were, nor do I care, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nor no, do I I mean, care. when it comes down to it, you know, I, when it comes down to it, if I'm going to do your MRI, I'm not saying, or oh, do you support Donald Trump or do you support Joe Biden? I don't care. You are there to get helped. You know what I mean? And you should not be put in mortal danger. I am there to take care of you. And I am not getting the tools to do my job. And it is a problem. It is a huge problem. Renee, how can people reach you for an interview? Um, I am on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter. You can DM me on Twitter. I'm on Facebook under Renee Rapley. I'm on Instagram. I don't really know how to work it, uh, but Twitter and Facebook is the way to reach me. What is? And your I can also handle? give you Renee Rapley. Spell that. R e n e e r a p is in Paul L e y, and it's the same thing on Facebook. Only I'm under Renee Suzanne. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We will put your link in the show notes and, um, and hopefully get some eyes and ears on, on what you're trying to do is really make sure that there is some reform and safety issues. I mean, so many people think that licensing boards already have that, you know, under control, but guys, you know, medical, um, mistakes, happen all the time and are one of the number one reasons why people die. I mean, I think it's like number three or something is from medical mistakes. So thank you, Renee Rapley for speaking out uh, and, and joining us here on nurses out loud. I'm, I'm very um, honored and humbled that I'd have um, a platform to be able to talk about you know, your, your issues and your movement. And I want to encourage everybody else listening to this show that we will give you guys a platform to speak the truth and, and let us know, you know, what it is that you want to um, expose or, or get some elevation on this topic. But that's all the time that we have for today, friends. Remember, we're here five days a week, uh, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern and 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All of our shows go to podcast. Please like, rate, review our shows and share the out loud truth. You are listening to Jody O'Malley and Nurses Out Loud. And God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.